Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It's Monday, October 4. And in this briefing, we've all become a lot more conscious about our hygiene during the COVID pandemic. We wash our hands all the time. But then we go and pick up our phones straight away, often about 60 times a day. And as you'll find out, that is cause for genuine concern. We found really a huge array of microorganisms from bacteria, viruses, fungi, protozoa, you name it. That was really extremely surprising to see all of that uh, happening on the surface of mobile phones. Yeah, and that list keeps on going in our interview. E. coli, salmonella and potentially COVID. So in today's briefing, is your phone a super spreader? First, Annex Methos is here with today's headlines. New South Wales Treasurer Dominic Perrottet will become the state's next Premier after striking a factional deal to replace Gladys Berejiklian. Over the last uh, 48 hours, I've had the opportunity uh, to discuss uh, with my wife Helen, my family and my colleagues my intention um, to nominate today um, as the Liberal leader of the Parliamentary Party. I don't imagine there was much conversation there, Annika. He's been wanting to do this for a long time. He's a very ambitious man. Only 39 years old, Dominic Perrottet. I'm announcing his candidacy there yesterday. Uh, he'll have the moderate Stuart Ayres as his running mate when they vote uh, on the leadership tomorrow. So massive news out of New South Wales. What was it like seeing this unfold from Victoria? Incredible to see another leader fall to uh, an integrity body like that when Gladys Berejiklian left the post last week. The Liberals will vote on that new leader tomorrow, although the deal is done, as you say, Tom. Gladys Berejiklian did announce she was resigning on Friday following revelations she's being investigated by the New South Wales Anti-Corruption Commission. Yeah, it was a massive uh, shock for a lot of people in New South Wales. Um, There had been a fair bit of speculation brewing as to whether she was the centre of a a new ICAC investigation and that news finally came out and a few hours later she was gone. There's been a massive outpouring because she was a really popular leader and a lot of people that don't follow the minutiae of you know, investigations like ICAC and the the news that breaks around it, they were just shocked to see their leader go, especially at this time in the middle of a pandemic, a very critical point of it, where the state's about to slowly emerge out of lockdown. The NRL has overcome fears of a snap Queensland lockdown to host a close season ender grand final in Brisbane last night, which saw the Panthers come out on top. Firstly, I just want to say thank you to all the Queensland fans, to our boys. Uh, We've worked so hard to get here and we finally did it. Yeah, it was amazing. That was Panthers co-captain Nathan Cleary. Um, He basically played with one shoulder. He's apparently already booked in for surgery um, sometime early this week in Brisbane. Um, He played an incredible game, leading his team to a 14-12 victory. Uh, And it pretty much was all the Panthers' way the whole game. But somehow the Rabbitohs scored two tries and almost levelled it in the last five minutes. So it ended up being really dramatic, but a well-deserved win for the Panthers. And um, I guess as we touched on there for for a second, Annika, it was also a big achievement for Queensland. And the longer this pandemic goes on and the more freedoms and the more sporting events that Queensland get to host, you realise they have done so well this pandemic. Yeah, there was a small cap on the number of people there, but in the end, it was a huge crowd and the first NRL grand final to be held outside of Sydney. And that was despite fears of the cluster, which there's been a few cases in Brisbane, that it would be spread. They'd said that they could cancel it as late as just before the game. So Mm. it was fingers crossed for everybody there, but they got away with it. 
and fears of a COVID outbreak in WA because of a cluster on an oil tanker and a diplomat who tested positive. All precautions are being taken. Western Australia has done so well for so long. But this shows just how easily the COVID virus can come into our community. WA Premier Mark McGowan speaking there. Three crew members from a chemical bulk carrier docked at Fremantle Harbour were taken to Perth Hospital yesterday. Two are in ICU after more than half the ship's 22 crew tested positive. And an Australian diplomat who arrived in Perth from Serbia tested positive. Authorities have identified four of his close contacts and they're still concerned he may have transmitted the virus to uh, airport and hotel workers, so they're watching that one closely too. Meanwhile, South Australia's border bubble with Victoria has shrunk from 70 kilometres to just 30 after a woman who travelled back from Victoria via the bubble tested positive. So what does that actually mean, the 30k, 70k bubble? Is that around the border, is it? Yeah, usually people have been able to travel across the border, recognising that some people live and work on different sides of the border. But of course, now that there's a positive case, they've shrunk how far you can actually go down to that 30 kilometres. So fewer people able to travel from Victoria to South Australia. And the other bit of news I wanted to get your thoughts on, Annika, was an announcement on Friday in Victoria of this long list of people working in all kind of industries who now come under a mandatory vaccination rule in Victoria. Yeah, basically anybody who's allowed out of the house now to work, that includes journalists. It also includes lawyers, farmers, taxi drivers, some retail staff, anybody that's keeping the economy going in a way that they're going to work at the moment will actually have to get one vaccine and then eventually two by November. But the first one comes in within a fortnight. It affects 1.25 million workers. Now, there's already an 80% plus first vaccination rate in Victoria, so people are going well. But that mandatory vaccination uh, is a world first, and there is thought it could actually make some people more resistant against getting the jab. Well, that's right. When you when you go too hard, you can have sort of... Um side effects or other other consequences from such a strict rule. So that seems like a fairly big deal. And to only have two weeks to get the first jab for so many people, is there much backlash? Uh, look, business wanted some protection. So this means the onus is on the government. They've introduced a public health order, which means that uh, gives business a little bit of confidence. They don't have the sort of discrimination issues they would have if they were introducing it on their own. But there are some industries where this really doesn't work. One of them is farmers. I spoke to them on Friday. They're caught up in this group. A lot of them work alone. A lot of them work on their own properties. I don't know how how they're going to police it. And also it's quite hard to get the vaccine in regional areas in some cases too. So they're not so happy about it. And pretty interesting political news out of the Philippines. The controversial president, Rodrigo Duterte, has announced he'll retire from politics. Now, the reason I say controversial is that he has allegedly killed thousands of drug dealers in his violent war on drugs. And there was speculation uh, now that his term limit is about to expire that he'd run for vice president, but he's decided not to for quite an interesting reason, Annika. Yeah, they thought he'd run for vice president because he might be able to protect himself from the International Mm. Criminal Court there. But by standing down, it actually paves the way for his daughter to run for president. Sarah Duterte is a popular mayor from the Philippines and she's agreed with the family that only one Duterte would run for national office next year. And the other twist of the story is that she'll be up against world-famous boxing star Manny Pacquiao, who's running. He announced that last week. He has served as a senator and is 
well known for sticking up for poor people in the Philippines. So we've got the strong man's daughter versus the world famous boxer running for president in the Philippines. Yeah, Sarah Duterte does go in the favourite and if she does get in, she could also act as a little bit of a protector against her dad who is under investigation by the International Criminal Court for that war on drugs policy. All right, Annika, we'll catch you tomorrow. Katrina Blouse is jumping in as we take an uncomfortably close look at our phones. Hey, Katrina Blowers here with you. Tom, go into your settings Mm. on your phone and where it talks about your phone usage, just take a look at how many times you pick your phone up every day. You should tell it like there's a daily figure and there's like a weekly average. I'll tell you mine first. Mine is, I'm happy to, to be upfront about this, mine's 81 per day, 81 times I pick up my phone. Um, average 62. Jeez, you're doing all right. (laughs) Much better than me. All right, here's the thing, and here's why I'm asking you this. How many times a week do you reckon you clean your phone? Zero. Yeah. I would clean mine a couple of times a week when I go to the gym and I'm wiping down the equipment. I then clean my phone with those same wipes, which is probably just contaminating it Mm. even more. But I guess this pandemic has made us so hyper-conscious about hand sanitising and cleaning surfaces. But there's an Aussie microbiologist who's sounding the alarm about a major blind spot in our lives, and it's actually the thing we touch the most, our phones. And while we might wash our hands, we then pick up our phones and touch our faces. Yeah, so it is a massive blind spot, isn't it? Because what's the point of washing your hands if you're going to go and pick up a phone, which, as we're about to find out has all manner of disgusting microbes on it. Associate Professor in Microbiology at Bond Uni, Dr Lottie Tajuri, he reckons our mobile phones are even worse than our worst-case scenario. They're covered in bacteria, viruses and antibiotic-resistant superbugs. And because we hardly ever wash them, this makes them mobile petri dishes that actually could be a serious risk to public health and biosecurity. So let's go to Professor Tajuri now. His research actually began when he noticed hospital staff using their phones in the operating theatre when his partner was giving birth to their child. I was actually looking at the staff there, the healthcare workers, and some of them were actually using their mobile phones and uh, they were using those uh, gloves on as well. So at the time with that stress, I said to myself, well, probably here there is a huge red flag because I teach microbiology at Bond University. I understand uh, the world of microbes. And um, this type of platform surely must be really extremely contaminated with all those microorganisms. And that was actually the first time I said to myself, oh, here, I think we need to do something about that. It's not normal. And uh, I actually choose to do, um, let's say, research with a scientific angle to try to warn everybody about this issue. Wow. So you are in a very stressful situation there with your your wife in hospital giving what sounded like a very complex birth and you were thinking about germs on phones? Shouldn't you have been focused on your child? 
I, I was actually focused on, on on both. I have to say, you know, like uh, as a father, <laughs> soon being a father, and obviously you really already think about the health of your of your child, and uh, and you know when you uh, see a little risk like that, uh, it really like emphasize uh, the stressful situation mm. I was into. So I was, you know, like in those situations, you analyze quite everything, mm. um, and uh, one of course was the the good health of my wife. Uh, secondly, obviously a good birth, and of yes. course then the uh, trying to get rid of the risk, <laughs> trying yeah. to get rid of the risk. Exactly, getting rid of the risks. I reckon knowing what you know, I would have been a bit freaked out seeing people gloved up but still touching their phones. So, okay, when did you do the research and how many people did you uh, survey and what sort of things were you looking at? With this research, we really wanted to to go straight into understanding first what was the issue. So we did a scoping review back in 2020. Uh, our PhD students was great in doing so. So and we found out there that uh, 68% of uh, those uh, mobile phones were contaminated with microbes, and that was a, a big study. That was around. 54 studies that we look at uh, across 24 countries. And we indeed found really a huge array of microorganisms from bacteria, viruses, fungi, protozoa, you name it. That was really extremely surprising to see uh, all of that uh, happening on the surface of mobile phones. What were some of the worst things you found on the phones? 93% of the phones were contaminated with golden staff. We had other type of bacteria like Acidetobacter baumoni, which is a a huge problem in healthcare setting because it leads to what is called nosocomial disease. What you could find as well is probably a name you, you heard, Pseudomonas aerogenosa, which is a bacteria which is multi-drug resistant. So a huge, huge other issue for the public health authorities. Uh, and we found E. coli, one was a big, uh, obviously, uh, exactly red flag because, uh, and we yeah. saw that. We did, a, yeah, we did a survey, by the way, in the hospital and we found that indeed that 52% of all the staff among 165 surveyed were using their mobile phones in toilets. Wow. Uh, so no surprise. <laughs> and the, the other 48% were lying. <laughs> um, probably, I don't know. But uh, of course, yeah, you know, you know really well that many of us use mobile phones in the toilet. I was one of them. And, you know, at the time when I started the study, I said, no way, I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, definitely not. Oh and have you gosh. stopped? Uh, completely. Uh, oh, yeah, I have actually taken lots of, uh, let's say, uh, new initiatives in my uh, behavior. <laughs> the one of them is definitely not to use a mobile phone in the toilet. When you flush the toilet, you have what is called a plume effect. What does it mean? Oh. There is an ex- when you flush the toilet, there is an explosion of the content of that of that toilet coming out like an avalanche of fecal materials. And don't <laughs> use your mobile phones there because your mobile phone will actually end up having all those fecal materials. I've just thrown mine out the window. There is a huge, huge uh, signal, I would like to say, to the public uh, health authorities. You know, if people use their mobile phones that are contaminated, and then if they want to wash their hands, which is a good thing to do, they can wash their hands as many times as they want, the problem is that if you touch your mobile phone uh, again, you are going to actually, uh, let's say, contaminating uh, your hands all over again. So mm. we negate the hand washing with mobile phones, unfortunately. 
I give you an example. We did uh, in the community, we swapped five mobile phones. Guess how many colonies were actually growing in petri dishes after only swabbing five mobile phones. 737 colonies that were viable, we found. So it's very easy to understand that if you touch mobile phones and they are viable microbes and those are in your fingers or you might touch your mouth, your eyes and your nose, and this is no good. Do you think that COVID has potentially spread via phones? We absolutely think that it takes a huge part of it. Uh, Why? Because there is modern transport to start with. And what it means is you've got people traveling with mobile phones all over around the world. And secondly, we know that, for example, there is a study that showed that the SARS-CoV-2 virus could sustain, uh, let's say, survival up to 28 days on the surface of mobile phones. And there are many studies as well that have demonstrated that this virus is indeed on mobile phones. There are studies in the US where up to 78% of mobile phones actually had SARS-CoV-2. And back again with what I was saying with modern transport, the fact that we can go from one area of the globe to another area of the globe in a matter of hours, it's very easy to understand that those surfaces that are really breeding ground of all microbes, including, by the way, SARS-CoV-2, it's very easy understanding that indeed, It is there to disseminate those microbes. And I really think mobile phones are to blame as well. All right. So I want to know what's the best way to clean my phone. And is having a case on my phone going to mean that little bacteria and little microbes can hide away in that case, even if I try and clean the outside? Yes, I mean, uh, mobile phones, as I said, are breeding ground. And for many reasons, they are good accommodators. Um, there is a temperature control. Uh, we eat with our mobile phones. So if you have this morning some muffin or egg benedict, you have also fed uh, all those microbes on the surface. Uh, on top of that, what is happening is that you are uh, spitting out some droplets or so good moisture for them to thrive. And the thing indeed is, you have to consider your mobile phone as, as a mobile Petri dish. And it's very important to decontaminate those. So there are many ways to do so. One is you, you can take a, a clean felt cloth and use a little bit of isopropyl alcohol, like 70%. Uh, but you have to be careful, switch off your phone, then wipe it off. But make sure that you wipe it off in a very gentle manner because there is a particular layer on the surface called the oleographic layer. It's a kind of uh, all repulsant layer, it's very important not to degrade it. Otherwise, you're not going to have this, uh, let's say, touch experience on your smartphone. And secondly, you can use ultraviolet C uh, phone sanitizer. And those ones are really remarkable because they can do their job in a matter of seconds. But you have to make sure that they are certified and they are safe to use. So that is my uh, recommendation. Lottie, what do you see happening in the future? Back to what I told you about modern transport. We go from one area to the other area and we get all those microbes disseminating around the world. And I can tell you, the United Nations, thinking that they are going to achieve this well-being and good health by 2030, it, it will fail because we have here mobile phones in billions carrying uh, microbes that are superbugs in millions and they are spreading around like it's not possible. We are going to be going into a a, a really public health disaster. The health system is going to collapse because under our estimations, in 2050, 
They are thinking that uh, probably it's going to cost us $100 trillion to actually deal with people uh, suffering from antibiotic resistance. It's, it's unmanageable. 10 million people will die by 2015. 2050, 10 million people will die per year just because of antibiotic resistant microbes. And if we have those mobile phones and we don't decontaminate them beside the fact that we know they harbor antibiotic resistant superbugs, which is really obvious. And secondly, they are viable. And on top of that, modern transport disseminate all those bugs all around. I really raise a huge red flag. It's, uh, uh, it, it is urgent that the public health authorities at least look at it, investigate what our research has found. It's very important. That was Professor Lodi Tajuri. Very alarming stuff there, Katrina. Especially and this is on a much bigger long-term level, that our phones could be playing a role in increasing antibiotic resistance. Yeah, that is a real worry, I have to confess. As soon as we got off the phone to the Professor Tajuri, I went straight on to Big W and I bought one of those UV sanitizers. Yes. Um, it takes five minutes. That's the fastest setting, five minutes to clean your phone. So it's a little, and- it's a little box where you put yeah. your phone in this box and it get, the UV light kills off the germs. Yeah, apparently it does and you can clean other things in there like your AirPods and your keys and that kind of thing and, and it charges it at the same time so you can have it by your bed. So I'll give it a whirl, I'll let you know. But five minutes is a long time when you think about if we bring these into airports, that could be a real issue and could really increase the, the queues for travellers as they make their way through quarantine checkpoints. Tomorrow on The Briefing, we explain the whole story around New South Wales politics, which, as of Gladys Berejiklian's resignation on Friday, got very, very interesting. Listener.